throne room of grace, interceding for those people that the request has come across the screen. Pray that you took those serious here, that you'll take those serious in your prayer closets this week. But uh, aren't you glad the God that we bring our prayer request to is a God that we can praise? So if you want to stand up, David's going to lead us in some praise. And we ought to just thank God for who He is here tonight and give Him praise, glory, and honor. Praise Him in spirit and truth. Aren't you glad we've got a God that is worthy of our praise and we ought to just give Him a great big clap offering that He's a God that still answers our prayers, still cares about us, and He's worthy of praise. Now, our prayer time tonight 
If you would like, be seated for just a moment. Our prayer time tonight. What do we got coming up this week? Men's retreat. When a kid to the Lord, there's a 4% chance you reach anybody else in that family. When the lady of the house, the wife, the mama, 17% chance you reach anybody else in the family. When the man to the Lord and you got a 94% chance, and you remember me saying, no wonder when that Philippian jailer, the man of the house, got saved. Believe on the Lord and you and your household. Men, when you step up and be the man that God called you to be, then it's a way better chances that you've got a godly home. We can have big numbers at youth camp, kids camps, and women's retreats, but we struggle getting men to show up at men's retreats. So in our prayer time tonight, would you pray for our men's retreat? And when you do, you'll be scriptural. I desire, Paul said to Timothy, that you pray for all men. And we need to pray for our men. David handed out nails and he asked you to be present. One nail's for you and the other nail is for you to invite, invite somebody and get them there. I think we need to take very, very serious our men's retreat that will be happening Thursday and Friday. And so we want to pray for our men's retreat because that's praying for our church. So we're praying for our men and at the same time we're praying for the lost because we're inviting men to come. But I also want you to pray for our church. We've known it for about ten days now. But our secretary's going back to teaching because at this time, tough call on her, felt that was the best for her family. So as of October 27th, we'll have a secretaryless church. And so, not only are you praying for our church tonight, the men's retreat, souls to be saved, and man, there's been all kinds of scenarios running through this preacher's head about filling that spot that's up and coming. And I've been praying about, I've been seeking the Lord, and let me tell you, I could use your help in praying for our church and getting the secretary that we need to have and the staff that we need to have. And I talked to Miss Kayla this evening and there's a few people that, that she's told and knows about it. And so Glenn's announcing it at Telequa tonight, and I'm announcing that here. And so we're fixing to pray for our men's retreat. We're fixing to pray for the lost to be saved. And I don't know about you, a lot of times there's people staying in the seats, and you can stay in the seats. But when we ask you to pray for an event that's going on in our church, that means everybody ought to be praying. And whether you choose to do that or out here, that's fine. But you ought to be praying. 
Everybody ought to be praying when you're asked to pray for the lost because I think if I pose this question, I think 100% of the hands will go up. Harold, do you have a lost family member or friend? Pidge, do you have a lost family member or friend? I can look back there to Nick and, and Lauren and Candy, and they're all nodding their head. Yes, I've got a lost family. I don't think there's anybody. Can anybody say, I don't have a lost friend or I don't have a lost family member? Maybe that'd be easy to notice. Can anybody in here say that 100% of your friends and your family are saved? Can you? Should we be praying for the lost to be saved? The harvest is plentiful. Pray for labors. They may go into a field that's white and ready for harvest. And then if you come here and you go to church and you just got told, hey, one of our staff members, she's still going to be the kids' director at Telequal Campus. She, she's still going to take care of Believer's Arena stuff. She's, she's not going nowhere other than she's stepping out of the secretary role. And if you're a part of this church and you have any idea what that entailed, you might think you know what it entails. Miss Debbie might could lighten you, enlighten you a little bit. But you ought to be praying that that spot is filled by someone that loves and cares for your church like Miss Kayla does. You with me? And when she come and told me that, here's what she said. When she walked into my office, and let me tell you, I sat and talked with her up to about two minutes before I preached Miss Loretta's funeral. You think she wanted to bug me moments before I stepped up here? She didn't. But I knew something was bugging her, so I walked in her office about an hour before I preached Loretta's funeral. And I said, you need to talk? She said, yeah. She said, but you got a funeral. I said, you need to talk? She said, yeah. And when she walked in there and she sat down and she said, can I talk to you today? Listen to this. As my pastor. Not my boss. That was her words. Can I talk to you today as my pastor? Not my boss. And I said to her, you don't ever, ever put your family before your career. And because she feels what's best for her family right now, she's going back to teaching. Hard decision for her. When one part of our body hurts, we all hurt. And there's just tough decisions that have to be made. So number one prayer, it's for our church. All that we're going through, men's retreat, people to be saved, secretary spot that needs to be filled. And listen here. And if you was here this morning, surely you heard Six deaths that are closely related. Miss Candy Mack sitting right back there. Candy Dove. Susan Fairman's great-granddaughter, one of the twins. You with me? The Ross family. And you may know somebody who's hurting right here among you. Dave's going to start to play. I hope the altars are full of people that care and love their church and lift a men's retreat and lift the lost people up. So if you would at this time, you stand. And, and how about this? I know Nettie's one. I know Les has been so good. I know Bob's been so good. Debbie's been so good. I know Brother Harold and Pidge. If you're one here today, Les, you can come head forward. Bob, you and Debbie can come forward. When I say these guys are coming, and I've seen Jacob do the same thing, here's what I'm asking you. I've seen in these last few weeks of prayer meetings, 
I've seen these men and these women that I'm calling. I've seen them go to people who's hurting. So if you've got a pain, I mean, Les will pray with you. Bob will pray with you. Uh, Jacob, he will pray with you. If you're a man and you've got something heavy on your heart, you've got a lost friend, one of these men, Harold, Bob, Les, Jacob's coming. I've seen they are more than willing to pray with men that are hurt. Miss Debbie, Miss Pidge, Nettie here. Ladies, if you've got something heavy on your heart, right here they are. And you know somebody that in here has a heavy heart? This is our prayer time. This is what this is about. Jesus said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Father, we humbly bow before you. Not always knowing what to say. Not always knowing what even to think. 
every day to take control of our imaginations over the mind today of those fiery trials which is Christ been reminded all week of your precepts concepts that leads us in the right direction thank you Father for our church thank you for the bride that you're coming after You would that we be spotless and wrinkle-free. Lord, if the picture first, we'll stay that way. Help us to give honest evaluations of ourselves. Help us to understand that the only antidote for anger is humility. You taught us those lessons. Help us to apply it to our life that all might see you living within our hearts. Thank you for that mystery. Thank you for the ministry that this church has. We love you, dear Jesus. We watch for you coming back with expectations. Amen. Well, let's just give him some praise again. We can give him a clap offering. Dave's going to lead us in a couple of songs, and I've said this before. You know, I've watched Trenton call everybody in in them sports deals and get all excited. Listen, we've prayed for our men's retreat. We're praying for our church. And, and let's just, where the Spirit is, there's freedom. And as Dave sang these next songs, man, sometimes we just need people who are, uh, have the gift of worship to help those of us that don't. I don't have that that gift. I love to worship, but sometimes it does my heart good to see those that have the gift. And, 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 and this gets us out of our comfort zone. But let me ask you this. How many are glad Jesus got out of his comfort zone? Amen, yes. Nothing was comfortable about what he done when he left heaven. So if you're one of those that have the gift of worship, you can just cut, be caught up and, 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 and you can just worship. You don't worry about what's going on around you. You know what I appreciated this morning? Oh, Afton. She just headed to the altar just as barefooted as a little kid. And you know, in some churches that would be looked down upon. But you know what? I'm just glad she's that comfortable. Because she knows where the Spirit is, there's freedom. And she just headed to the altar. And, 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 and you know, I'm proud to be a, a pastor of a church where somebody didn't come to me and say, Did you see that? She went to the altar barefooted. And if they did, I'd say, Did you see Jesse that time? Jesse who? I said, Stipes. He went to the altar with spurs on.
Somebody says, which is worse? I say, ain't neither one bad. There's not a bad way, whether you got spurs or barefooted. Folks, when will we realize there's really no bad way to kneel in the altars? Spurs, barefooted. There's just really nowhere. There's just not a bad way to kneel. So if you're one of those that worship, sometimes it does my heart good to see the people that just, they're just who they are. They're not trying to fool her. They're just being them. If you're one of those that has the gift of worship, there is nothing wrong with encouraging us who don't. When Dave begins to worship, if that's you, man, it just, I just love seeing people come to the front and I just know somehow that God loves that. Let the worshipers arise. If you've got that gift, Dave's going to sing. You feel led to come? Come. The flip side of that is there's freedom. You want to set, you can set. You called me out on the water, great unknown, feed me
you to think about that song. Dave's going to sing us one more praise song. And I want us to continue to be in a heart of praise. But did you catch that word? How many of you would pray that prayer? Take me to deeper waters where I can't touch. Our fear of the unknown, we won't pray that. But Dave, we, we pray that prayer. And, and I remember praying that prayer of Jabez, Lord, enlarge my territory. And I remember not long after I prayed that prayer, I called Brother Marty Brock and I, Brock and I said, quit praying that prayer for me. You know why? He was taking me to waters where I couldn't touch. He was taking me to places where I was overwhelmed. And sometimes in the midst of us getting out of our comfort zone, to try to help people praise, to try to go and encourage people with our, our words and our testimony. Sometimes that's overwhelming. But I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't take nothing for Him enlarging my borders. I'm so glad He's taken me places where my feet would never wander. I'm so glad He took me to that water where I had to trust on Him to get through it because it was way over my head. That's what God, that's who God is. That's what God does. He wants to take you places that you never dreamed. You know where I get that? He said, call upon me. I'll show you great and mighty things that you know what not of. You know where I get that? I will do exceedingly, but now to him who will do exceedingly abundantly above what we think or ask. Father, the Father has more for us than we could ever imagine. And I promise you, his plan for us is better than our plan for us we should want him to take us into them deeper waters where our feet would never never wander where our faith has to be strengthened amen one more praise song and we're going to have some thoughts from God's word we ought to just thank him and praise him come out of sadness Wherever you've been, come broken heart, the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, the sinner come in. Earth has no sorrow, the heaven came in. Earth has no sorrow, the heaven
and we'll have some thoughts from the Word before we leave here. You can flip on the lights back there if you would, Trenton. And uh, aren't you glad that song, think about what that said. Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart. Come just as you are. You may have to change to go certain places. But you can write it down as Adrian Rogers said, big, plain, and straight. You don't have to change one thing to come to God. He always has said, come as you are. And the good thing about coming as you are, you won't leave the same. Because He can change. He can take those hurts and He can fix that heart. You can open your Bibles to Ephesians. And we come to chapter 4. And we come to... That of verse 17. And as we come to verse 17, I'm reminded about Daryl Thriller Miller. Some of you know who I'm talking about. 1998, be 24 years ago, in October, American Cowboys Rodeo Association Finals, he was voted Bullfighter of the Year. And while in Springfield, a bull rider got hung up, he went in to do what bullfighters do and help the cowboy that was in a bind, and when he did... He got run over and stepped on, knocked him out, and he would stay in a coma for two weeks. Run over by the bull, stepped on by the bull, not in his chest, not in his leg, but his head. Two weeks in a coma. Some of that in Springfield, later to be transferred to Tulsa. One day he come out of a coma, we was excited, but they said he'll not be coming home just because he's out of a coma. He's going to have to learn how to walk and talk all over again. So he went to therapy. Is everybody staying with me? We've come to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. And it looks to me like we're getting some therapy. 
Let me just fill you in. Mankind, his name was Adam, got run over, not by a bull, the devil. He got stepped on, not by a bull, but the devil. And from that time, created in the image of God, but then after getting run over by the devil, we're in need of some therapy. And so keep that in mind when we go over these scriptures, something for us to think about as we leave here on a Sunday night service and go back out into a world. We have been run over, stepped in on by the devil, and folks, we've been injured. And we're in need of some therapy. First of all, I would like to point out and let you think about this as you leave. Think about us as a patient in that of our condition. So this I say, verse 17, Therefore, and I testify in the Lord, the Apostle Paul says, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. See, the rest of the Gentiles are crippled. They've been run over. Their condition is they've been crippled by sin. He says, in the futility of their mind. So what we need to understand is our condition is we're not physically crippled. We're spiritually crippled with sin. And we are messed up, number one, mentally. Look at it. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Meaning you are saved. And how does the rest of them walk? In the futility of their mind. Messed up mentally. Look at verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because the blindness of their heart. Folks, when we got run over in the beginning, Adam and Eve by the devil, you need to realize we're crippled by sin and we are messed up mentally. Because before you really got saved, mentally, in your mind, you thought there was more than one way or else the wrong way to stay out of hell and get into heaven. See, you thought if your good outweighed your bad, you could escape hell and make heaven. And then one day you come and you think, no, that's not going to get it. So if I get baptized, I'll escape hell and make heaven. Well, that ain't going to get it. Maybe if I just join the church... I can escape hell and make heaven. Well, listen, I can't just join the church. I have got to do good works. And it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by His mercy we are saved. So what I'm saying, when we got run over, stepped on by the devil, it messed us up mentally because there's a way that seems right to the man, but the end is death. Are you sticking with me? So really we're messed up mentally because we think there's more than one way to heaven or we think there's a way that's not really a way. So we're messed up mentally. Did anybody before you get saved think there was a different way 
to heaven other than through Jesus Christ? Well, I'll raise my hand first. I was mentally messed up because I thought if my good outweighed my bad, I was going to heaven. And listen, you need to understand, not by works of righteousness, you've done, and, I, and, and a lot of people say, no, it's works. Well, I think, I think to myself sometimes when somebody says, no, we get to heaven by faith and works. And I'm saying, if you think you get to heaven by works, you're not working near hard enough to get there. What I want to tell them. I mean, the people that thinks it's by works, and I watch their works, I think, man, you really don't believe that neither. You know what that tells me? They're messed up mentally. Because if you really thought it was by good works, I think you'd be doing more good works. I think we ought to do good works before because we're saved, but I, I, I know that we can't do good works. So you see, they're, but they're also messed up morally, not just mentally. Look at it. It says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and to the work of uncleanness with greediness. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve realized after they partook of the fruit? I mean, when you read the Scriptures, and I don't know that I'm right on this, but I think from reading the Scriptures, I come up with a pretty good idea. The first thing they realized was they was naked. It's the first thing they realized. And then they begin to wonder what these body parts do. And I don't know how it all works. And I'm not X-rated here. But they begin to touch. They begin to feel. And I, oh. And here comes all this lewdness. And what's one of the biggest problems in this world is sex physically and, 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 and uh, pornography and sex trafficking. Because that was never even thought of. They was naked and didn't know it. But when sin came in and we got run over and stepped on by the devil, what was the first thing that they realized? Hey, we're naked. What's all these body parts do? What do they do? And they seen what it was like to, if it, if it feels good or looks good, do it. So guess what? He says, you're not only messed up mentally, now you realize you're in a fleshly body and you realize what this body, what makes it feel good. What Are you with me? I'm not being x-rayed tonight. I'm just telling you, we are a messed up bunch. We got run over, and it messed us up mentally. But it doesn't just mess us up mentally. It messed us up morally. We're given over to lewdness. We're given over to the flesh, and we're given over to greediness. Are you with me? So that is the patient's condition. And he said, but you're saved now. So I'm telling you, we got to have some spiritual therapy. You was crippled with sin, but you're no longer crippled with sin because you should have a new mind and you should have a new heart. But you better realize you was crippled with sins. Everybody with me? Now watch this. I tell you about the condition of the patient. Now I want you to see who the therapist is. You know, when I had my hip surgery, they told me who my therapist would be and who he would be coming. Okay? Well, when you get saved, who is your therapist? Look at it right there. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. In other words, you've got saved, right? But after you get saved, after you have a heart and mind surgery, guess what you need? You need a therapist. And so far, you've not met your therapist. See, what's happened in the church, a lot of people know about Jesus, but he says right there, you have not learned Christ. You've not got to know your therapist. You was crippled with sin, he done the surgery, and now he's going to be the therapist. 
Now watch what he says in verse 20. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. When you get saved, you get the new mind, you get the new heart. Because you had a sinful condition and there's a therapist and his name is Jesus and he knows the truth and he knows the therapy that you need. Okay? And so the problem in the church is we've heard about the therapist. We've so-called had the surgery, the new heart and new mind. But the problem in the church is I don't know how many people's going to spiritual therapy after the spiritual operation. Is any of that making sense to you? When you get a new hip, you get a therapist. When you have a stroke, Brother Harold, you went to therapy. Daryl, when he got run over, he had to learn to. So something to think about. We was crippled with sin. We got a new mind. We got a new heart because we was messed up mentally. We was messed up morally. And we've got a spiritual therapist. And his name, according to verse 20 and 21, is none other than Dr. Jesus. Got that? Now I want you to watch the progress. If you're really in spiritual therapy, watch this to the end of chapter 4. Watch this. So you see in, the, in 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, you are seeing our condition. We're crippled by sin. We've got a, we're messed up mentally. We're messed up morally. And he says you're not to walk like them no more. You've had the surgery. You're not supposed to be walking with that lamp no more. Okay? And your therapist is Jesus Christ. And right here's the progress. Do you know you can measure tonight and see how your therapy's going? You sure can. Watch what happens. That you put off concerning your former conduct. You've had the surgery, man. You're not the same guy. I put a new mind in you. I put a new heart in you. I put a new spirit in you. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Watch this. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The Bible over and over tells us we're messed up mentally because he's continually telling us we need to renew our mind. Have the mind that is in Christ Jesus. Renew your mind by the word of God. Come on. And he says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You've had the surgery. The old man's fixed. The old man's gone. you got to put him off. No need to limp any longer. No longer to be crippled in sin any longer. Because we've got not a therapist. We've got the therapist. And here's the progress. You can measure how your therapy's going. Therefore, put in a way lying. When we was messed up mentally and messed up morally, we come forth from our mother's womb speaking what? Lies. We got saved. We got a new mind. We got a new heart. Guess what? Lying's got to be done away with. Watch. You can measure your progress. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. 
For we are members of one another. Be angry. In other words, even when you get the new mind and new heart, you're going to get angry. But the difference is, this time, be angry. But measure. How's your therapy going? You can be angry, but do not sin. Don't don't say something. Don't fly off the handle. I got tickled at all. I better share the names to prove the guilty, shouldn't I? Yeah, you always, yeah. Where did we get on this? I'm not going to name the names to protect the innocent. Well, they're not innocent. They're guilty. And I share it because he come and shared it, and he shared it with me and Dusty Dove. Bob Scudder come in, and old Bob Jr. is what I call him. He's always right on the hip of old, old Bob. And he come this morning, and he was golfing. And he, he was, now Dusty's got a big cast on his hand where he's got a broke hand. And Bob's got this, just this slit right down his finger now. And he said, now I know it's a minor injury and I know it's a minor injury. And I know I'm talking to two guys. And he looked at that cast. He said I, that you know way more about injuries. But he said, you see this little bitty place on my finger? He said, that happened on the eighth hole at the prior golf course when I reached in there to get my golf ball. That pole that they put in the, in, in the, that fiberglass pole, some of it was stuck in the hole. And when I reached down, I know it looks little, but a piece of that fiberglass went up under my fingernail. And see, at first you was thinking, yeah, he's a sissy. But now I see some of you going, ooh, I know what it's like to have something run up under my fingernail. And he said, I know it's little. And he said, I'm just going to tell you it hurt. And I said, I just want to know one thing. How many cuss words? And Junior said, one. I said, now next time he gets hurt, you be sure and count him for me. Don't you out of the mouth of babes. Be careful with your language. <laughs> one. He thought his preacher was going to get on him. I said, praise God. Before, before therapy, before surgery, it might have been several, you know. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let me ask you, since your heart's been changed and since you've been in therapy, aren't we measuring the progress right here? How many times you went to bed? Angry. And then call somebody you need to call or apologize to somebody you need to apologize or talk with somebody you just flat needed to talk with. How's therapy going? Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that that he may have something to give him who has need. You know what? Let me paraphrase that. For you guys that's been stealing and bumming, you's messed up mentally, you's messed up morally, and one day you got a surgery on your heart and on your mind, and you realize stealing and bumming was no longer right. And now you've went to work. You realize that you're supposed to be working, not bumming and stealing. And the people that you once stole from. Come on, that may not be any of you in the, within the sound of my voice. But listen. He's saying now, let me tell you how drastic and how great this therapy is. Not only are you no longer stealing, but you're working And you are giving. 
to those who have need. Now, folks, when you've had a mind and heart surgery and you've been with the therapist and you go from stealing to working and giving the money that you earned by hard work that you didn't steal to someone who has in need, let me tell you something about your therapy. It's progressing. That's going the right direction. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. Now watch here. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouths, but what is good and necessary for edification. Once you've got a new mind and a new heart, you're supposed to be building up, not tearing down. If you're getting therapy like it needs to be, you can see the progress because what I used to speak that would tear someone down, now I'm speaking something that will lift people up. See, he's telling you, you can see how your therapy's going. You can see the progress. And look here, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Is what's coming out of your mouth? Used to, it didn't impart grace. It imparted greed. It, it imparted anger. It, it was mean. But now what comes out of your mouth, it, it imparts grace. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you sat in a service and you was lost and undone and you was convicted to go forward and you didn't do it, not only did it break the pastor's heart that watched that conviction all over your face, it broke the heart of God because he knew he was speaking to you and he knew he was calling your name and you didn't move. I loved Tuesday night at Stillwell, Oklahoma. I preached and I give an invitation and I, boy, it's just one of them and you just felt like there was somebody going to get saved. And I read the face of one lady there and then the preacher got up and he said, I feel like somebody needs to be saved here and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the service, but I'm going to pray you're miserable from this point on until you deal with it. It was one of those churches where the pastor and the musicians go back there and shake hands and hug necks. And I was back there and everybody was fellowshipping. And all of a sudden, old Steve said, Hey, Rob, come here. He was standing back in the fellowship hall and I walked back there and he said, I want you to meet our new sister in Christ. He said, She went out to the car and she looked at her niece who had invited her to revival. That's why you invite people to revival. And her aunt, Belva, had come with her and said they got out to the car and Miss Belva looked at her niece and said, I should have went forward and I'm that one that's going to be miserable. Can we go back in there? Huh? That's good stuff. Give her heart and life to Jesus. Not at my invitation, but you, never need, to, you need to realize God's invitation's never closed. And now she'll no longer grieve the Holy Spirit when there's an invitation given to the lost. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking but put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, we hear about our condition. We meet our therapist, and then he gives us several verses. He says, Go ahead and check your progress out. So when I read down through there, here's my question. How's your progress? How's therapy been for you? Is the old man gone? 
or is the old man still there? And so here's what I close with. I said, I'm going to give you something to think about. My physical therapist, he says, are you hurting? I said, no. He says, why are you limping? And I say, I'm not. He looks to my wife and says, is he limping? And my wife says, yep. The cobbler in Tahlequah, you know what a cobbler is, don't you? They cobble shoes. We still have one of those in Tahlequah. He lives a mile down from one of my lease pastures. My wife took a pair of my boots in, and my, the cobbler passing by on the road at 45 mile an hour says, didn't Rob get a new hip? She said, yeah. She said, he said to her, why is he still limping? He seen me walking across the pasture. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not limping. And you know what the therapist said? You don't think you're limping. Won't you stick you a mirror down there? And won't you walk toward that mirror? And then tell me you're not limping. The mirror don't lie. Do you know the scripture refers to the word of God as a mirror? You may say you're doing real good, and you may tell me that. You may tell your wife. You may tell your husband. You may tell your friends, I'm not limping. My therapy's going good. Well, I would encourage you, before you think you're doing real good in therapy, go ahead and open that mirror because it don't lie. And it will let you know how you're doing, not in your physical therapy, but in your spiritual therapy. And let me tell you how long. And now, they just told me, we're just going to let you go through physical therapy for, for, for about two weeks. That's all. I don't know how long Jesse went. I don't know. And, and, and here's what I tried to tell them. I said, I want to do more than go to church on Sunday and Walmart on Tuesday. So I want my therapy to be pretty intense. I, I wasn't interested in just coming to church and going to Walmart on my new hip. I wanted my new hip to do things. And in those two weeks, they couldn't get that done, but they told me, here's what you're going to have to do if you ever want to get better. And, and, and that's been a struggle for me. I've been to a different therapist since because there's more complications in there than the new hip. I have found out. But listen to me. How long, how long is therapy, physically speaking? Depends what you've went through physically. You with me? But what we've went through spiritually from the fall of mankind, how long does spiritual therapy last? Until Jesus comes again or you're called home. So I highly recommend meet with your therapist, the Word of God, Jesus Christ by way of Holy Spirit, every day and let Him do spiritual therapy on you. Let Him teach you how to talk the right kind of talk and walk the right kind of walk. And when you think you're doing good, you can look in the mirror and it's not going to lie to you. It's going to tell you just how you're talking, just how you're walking, and just how you're acting. 
I think that's something to chew on as we leave here on a Sunday night prayer meeting. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that when we was crippled in sin, you come in. We was messed up mentally. We was messed up morally. You give us a new mind. You give us a new heart. We thank you that you are our therapist through your Holy Spirit, through your Holy Scriptures. And we thank you that we have a mirror in that of your word that we can measure our progress to see how our walk with you who said to be holy for I who called you am holy. And we thank you for letting us measure our progress because we're to be separated from this world. We're to be different here. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would take our spiritual therapy seriously. And we do it to the honor and the praise of you, the great therapist. We love you. We praise you. Help us to chew on, meditate upon this as we leave here. And we all ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people as they stood up said, Amen and Amen.